The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 318 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. As you can tell by the downgraded voice, I am not Alex Fast, nor am I as handsome. I'm one of your hosts for this episode while he's out on paternity leave, joined by the Cinder Guardian of the Galaxy, Nick Pollock. What is happening? Oh man, Cinder Guardian of the Galaxy as I lower him on the list and all that stuff. <laughs> Um, David, I, I think on behalf of everybody listening, we're all so happy that you have stepped in as Alex Fast. Yes, he's on paternity leave. We're all wishing him very well. Um, but you know, picture list, we, we encourage paternity leave and he, he, we want to make sure he has that time off and we couldn't be luckier to have you as a host. So thanks for stepping in. I appreciate the kind words and I'm really happy to step in. I know we're going to be going from a Jacob DeGrom to a Tyler McGill. No, stop okay this right now because Tyler DeGill McGill is healthy and throwing harder. So that's okay. <laughs> All right. At least he's pitching right fast. At least he's here <laughs> doing we're something. Gonna, we're going to step in and fill in the Jacob DeGrom shoes, which you can't do. But you know what? Like you said, throw, he's throwing and we're going to keep this plane or this place, a train chugging here. Yeah. And uh, we got a, a great list to look at here, and mm. this is your final top 100 list before the season starts, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me that we finally have baseball this week. I know you've been waiting for this day for so long. It's it's actually happening. Like, it actually, I mean, I remember a month ago, I was, oh man, March 4th, I didn't know when we get baseball, maybe May 1st or something. That's when I, how I drafted my labor team at the time. So I thought it would be May 1st. And what do you know? It's going to be May 7th. And two days after this podcast comes out, we're recording um, right after this Austin Meadows trade on uh, uh, April 4th. I told David that we wouldn't mention the Austin Meadows trade. And here I go, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) You know, I just, ah, it's such a wild deal. Okay, anyway, yeah, we're two days away. I'm going to live stream um, the entire day on Twitch. So go check that out, uh, 1 p.m. and watch the games. I can't actually show the games. But I'll be there. I'll be there watching it. So if you're at home and you decide to, uh, you know, work from home and watch the games, come hang out with me and a lot of other people in the in the community. We're all just going to be watching baseball together. It's nothing quite as fun as that. But David, you got to tell people about yourself. Who are you? Where can they oh, find you? Man, I'm, I'm the worst at talking about myself. I'll try. Uh, you can find me, DMendio2, on Twitter. 
I host the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. I do a little bit of writing for fan tracks for fantasy pros, baseball, all my baseball contents through there. Some videos on our YouTube channel. You can check out Triple Play Fantasy on YouTube. All video content goes out through there. And that's all I'm going to talk about that because we're talking and, about. And you guys, you guys recently launched a Patreon as well. Go check that yeah. out. Uh, how about no. these guys that do great work? And yeah, David, we're going to we're going to be talking about the top 100, which I put out on Sunday, not Monday, because <laughs> I'm a madman and had a boring Sunday. And I thought, you know what? I'll put out this list before everybody's seven, eight o'clock drafts. I hope it helped. I even like today, I'm like, oh, there's probably one or two things I would update again because it never changes or it always changes, never stays the same. Um, but yeah, we got it. We got a list to talk about. And fun fact, my home league draft was on Sunday. And sure enough, one of the guys sitting next to me had your top 100. No way. Up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. oh, that's touching. That's pretty so, cool. But the good thing is I know where he's looking at because it's easy to find where your list is, of course. So it's I was like, OK, I can beat him to certain guys. I know exactly where they're looking at. Mm. Uh, but this list is filled enough like beating around the bush. We, this list is filled with a bunch of risers, fallers, names, oh, in interesting yeah. places. And we got to start that off in the first tier here, which, of course, standard for the most part. You look at the first tier and you got the guys at the top that you would expect some way, shape or form here. And as I pull up the list, we have. Of course, the we have Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer, the first six in tier one. What is the name of this tier and why is it called that? I mean, it's Tobias because it blew itself. I uh, because <laughs> it's, it's all blue. There's no change. Uh, and actually we'll see this uh through the first three tiers, but this is the only one that's purely blue, and including even the badges. I I've ridden myself of the I the burden of updating these badges on the list through the year to now condense it into one because I couldn't every single week. I'm so sorry, but these labels, these badges, they're like five or six at times for guys. And there are a hundred players on this list. I can't do it every single week. So I've limited down to one, but they get the blue one that is ace is going to ace. It's the top six now because the Grom is hurt and he's out of this tier. And you'll see that affect everybody else because they instantly get a plus one. But this one is intact. Nothing has changed. Interior. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you need to sleep. So I'm, I definitely understand why the badges went down here. I do have, to, <laughs> I do have to ask you though. You uh-huh. Woodruff at three. I do, and and I think that's higher than most people have. And they definitely have him going in the first round. But you have him right behind Colin Burns. I'm curious, why do you have him above, especially your heartthrob, your heartthrob, uh, Zach Wheeler? Yeah, sure. I uh, you know it's really funny, and it's not funny. I uh, Brandon Wheeler, uh, sorry, Brandon Wheeler, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer all have had bad springs. I uh, Woodruff has, I think, an over 10 ERA in the spring so far. Zach Wheeler had the shoulder question. Uh, Walker Bueller's velocity is down a tick, and Max Scherzer had the hamstring twinge. Like, what's going on? These are <laughs> this is three, four, five, six. Uh, Cole and Burns are completely fine, so that's you know, that's all good. Um, why do I like Brandon Woodruff? I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. I think he's an absolute rock. I'm not really worrying about the spring stuff, clearly. Uh, he's someone who can, will go over 180 innings and has an incredible fastball that has been so consistent over the years. He'll play for a winning club in the Brewers. He'll be in the NL Central, which is wonderful. I think you're just getting something very solid, and you know what you're going to get in Brandon Woodruff. And he's a guy that's an ace of most other teams in the major leagues. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's the number two. Fair. For that. 
the Brewers are just something else. And we're going to touch on some other of their starters later. But we get to tier two here. And honestly, obviously, we start this tier off. You're going to go to the beach. You have Sandy Alcantara at number seven. <laughs> Julio Arias, number eight. Shane Bieber, number nine. Robbie Ray, number 10. And Lucas Giolito, number 11. That's tier two. What's the name of this tier? And why do you call it that? I oh man, this is the opening act, I guess, because like sometimes people will say, hey, this band is better than the other guys, um, but they all are considered, you know, not as good um, as the 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 headliner of the night. Uh, they're close. Though. They all get the, this plus one. Again, I didn't touch them. I didn't uh, change their positioning. I really wanted to push up Lucas Giolito when I did the stream on Sunday as I was creating it on Twitch. Uh, I was asking everybody if there is, if there were any uh, velocity readings for Giolito that day. Um, and there had been reports of 94 and 96, as opposed to um, the 94 and change, actually pushing it over that 95 comfortably. Uh, and I even, I even said to DM, this is the weirdest flex I'll give. I said to DM to Jason Benetti um, because he's like my hero. And um, I remember DMing him back in like 2020 to do PitchCon for the first time. So I was like, oh, I can do this. And then he responded the next day. I was like, no real velocity reading. Sorry. I was like, you are just so wonderful and kind. And it's okay. You didn't have to respond. Um, but we still got nothing on Giolito. So I, I know he got bang, uh, beat up a little bit. We watched it um, this morning. And he had a bad inning that honestly should have been out of it. I think he missed called strike three twice by the ump. Uh, it would have been completely fine. So don't worry about Giolito. But yeah, I mean, all these guys are good. Alcantara is still great. Uh, Julio Rice should still be great. Shane Bieber is a little bit not quite there yet, but he should still be great. And Robbie Ray, even though he is, I think, a tick down on his velocity, I'm generally treating one tick of velocity not really an issue in the spring. If it's two to three, that's when I get actually concerned, and we'll actually talk about that with one other guy. Um, but Robbie Ray right now at 93, 94, as opposed to 94, 95, not a huge issue to me. So I did actually want to bring up Robbie Ray because sure. on, on Twitter a few months ago, you know, Twitter can be an interesting place at times. It can be. And, it can be, yes. And I put Robbie Ray, I had him originally as SP31. I dropped him what? down or I, I bumped him up a little bit. Now he's SP26 for me. Oh, wow. But okay. I'm Why? really down on Robbie Ray. So, I mean, there's just a couple factors. I look his left on base percentage last year. Oh, yeah, over, 90%, right? Yeah. yeah. So Not good. You know, I know some, you know, some regression the other direction could come sure. that way we saw him do this before somewhat where he came out of nowhere it seemed with the diamondbacks mm. in 2017 and the, you know the case per nine obviously has been very consistent but a very low era a 289 era that year and you just saw him eventually become what we knew robbie ray since then basically a very inconsistent high strikeout pitcher and what he did to become successful last year, I'm very nervous that that's sticking. The kind of guy that he's, you know, he's trusting his stuff or he's throwing it down the middle and he's just kind of letting it kind of work its way through the zone and letting hitters chase. Is that a kind of formula you can expect for year-to-year success with somebody, especially as spotty a track record as he has? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll say a couple things about it. One, I'm more inclined to believe that kind of success when it's over a full year. And that's really what Robbie Ray did. After the first two starts, he stopped nibbling and just threw you know that, those fastballs over the zone. Actually, the upper third, a lot of high lock. Uh, that's high location percentage. is a very good for his fastball. And then actually developed the slider early on. I remember that like the third or fourth star, I was like, oh man, if he keeps doing this and gets the slider, this is going to stick around. And it did. Uh, I will say, as far as you know, my, my projection goes, it's worse than last year. 284 ERA, 105 whip, 
projection that I wrote is three five two ERA and a one fourteen WHIP. I that takes into account the higher left on base rate, the the higher hit per nine rate. Um, that was seven last year. Probably goes closer to eight. And yeah, the left on base rate will go up, but it's not going to be, I think, such a major thing, major issue that all of a sudden we're going to see Robbie Ray fall to the, closer to four ERA or so. I don't, I don't think that's really what is in the cards. And the reason, I mean, there's two major reasons why I think that this is going to be really great for your fantasy squads. It's Robbie Ray through 193 innings last year, actually last three seasons. He's essentially made the max starts that his team would allow him to do um, from 2019, tw- 2020 and 2021. Now he goes into Seattle, which is a much better scenario than it was last year in Toronto. That will only help him uh, stave off that regression as much as possible. So with the improved fastball and the the different approach, I mean, the guy had a 10% plus walk rate, and that's generous because none of them were 10%. They were 11% plus uh, for 18, 19, and 20. To all of a sudden go down to 7%, that's, that was an actual legitimate change that did everything differently. So how we envision Robbie Ray completely changed and he did for a full year not even like a month or two a full season i don't really think that's going to change that much and i think it also comes down to if you want to pay the price too i know on nfbc he's right now the 13th pitcher off the board for 13th starting pitcher off the board okay cool yeah all Um, right that's that's fine with me i'm cool yeah so and he's going in the top 50 picks so that's been too rich for me i'm i'm one of those players and i guess you have different players how they do the way they draft I always kind of like to see it over a couple seasons, but like kind of the Corbin Burns from last year where you saw it and you're like, I need to see it again before I, mm-hmm. I use that. And sometimes yeah. you get burned by it because, you know, oh, those yeah. type of players are, they ball out and then sometimes they become a one-year wonder and you kind of avoided paying for last year's production. So, uh, I, I mean, I could definitely that. see it. Um, yeah, quick, quick question. Uh, what does R&R stand for for you? R&R? Yeah. Rest and relaxation. Ah, see, good. Since it's not railroad crossing, right? It's not like a, it's not the R and R you see on the road. That's caution, right? It's for you. It's rest and relaxation. That's good. <laughs> that's how I feel about Robbie. Ray. I like that. I like that. Okay, that's my R and R too. So get on, get on this side. All right. I I know it, the hardest thing that we do is just because this guy was good today is going to be good tomorrow. Seeing a full season of it makes me more confident than I was in Corbin Burns. Like I was cautious entering twenty twenty one. I said, look, it was only like six, seven starts of it. I tried to be the conservative one for a change. <laughs> it didn't go well. Now I'm like, okay, he did for 30, uh, really 30 starts last year. Robbie Ray should be much better. I'm going to start looking. It's like a half glass, half glass, half full versus glass, half empty approach to it. So mm-hmm. I, I do like that. Uh, we're going to quickly go into tier three here. And you have Charlie Morton, Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, Locus, uh, Logan Webb, Kevin Gosman, Freddie Peralta, and Aaron Nola. Each of these guys rose up a couple spots in this tier. And I'm interested, what is the name of this tier? And what are you calling these guys? Oh, God, I don't have a name. I mean, keep in mind that they're all getting plus two because it's not only um, Jacob deGrom, but I also had to remove someone else. Uh, Lance it was, Lynn. It was Lance Lynn. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, and who has actually been removed. I put it out on Sunday with Lance Lynn and then literally... The minute I put it out, I got a notification that he had torn a meniscus <laughs> and I went in and changed it. Um, this tier is called the perspective students because um, they're they're in their teenagers. <laughs> they're in their teens <laughs> and they could go off and do wonderful things. You know, 
Uh, so that yeah, that's what these guys are. I mean, they're all all pitchers that I find myself leaning toward. Um, my ideal draft, honestly, has me getting at least one of these, not two, um, where I'm targeting them in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Because I mean, Charlie Morton at twelve is one of the higher slots you'll see from him. I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. higher now. I mean, it was originally fourteen, but. Still, Charlie Morin, I think, is going too late. Yancey Eden got him in the D.C. I was in with him last night. Yes, I did the D.C., y'all. I did a 15-team <laughs> thing with NFC, right? I did the thing. <laughs> no, it wasn't NFBC. It wasn't like the main event. Um, I couldn't justify paying all of that given the lockout and all. Oh, but I did a D.C. And my, I got to say, David, how do people do that? I was two hours into this, okay? realizing it was around 23 and we weren't halfway done and i was already searching for players I'm like who is this guy and who is that guy it's insane how it's, how, it's a marathon and when oh you get to like the, the 48 to 50 guys that you're having on ah! your team it's <laughs> insane oh it's, i mean I, I got sniped on the weirdest people too like i got sniped on tyler wade i was so upset about that one i sniped on austin nola like, I've never thought about this in my life, you know, like being sniped on those guys. But yeah, there I was. Who and it thought was they infuriated. would hear Tyler Wade and Austin Nola on this yeah. podcast today? Yeah, wrong Nola, wrong wrong Tyler. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, so so I did that. And Eden, Yancey Eden, got uh, Charlie Morton at like such a discount. And I was, I, I had a plan. I went into that trying to showcase a lot of this list that we'll get to later which is uh, a lot of these really great guys in the 50s mm. that I'm so tempted. Like, if I, if I had another auction draft, and I kind of did it in town accidentally, but if I had another auction draft, I would do another 80-20 split, and I would just go ham on, like, so many inning, good innings guys that are a step above a Toby and, you know, mix in those young prospects too. And I would I would have a ball with it. <laughs> I would have so much fun. I, I'm upset I don't have another auction left. I uh, because at this point I would oh it would be so great. Never say never. I mean, a couple days left. I got okay. I have a draft on Wednesday, but that's my my hometown league where they won't look at my list. By the way, it's the, it's it's the most humbling moment of my entire <laughs> year. Is like oh where do you get your advice? And they list like the they're just following the thing in front of them, or you know, I'm like they don't care about what I do. <laughs> And it's really nice, you know. I haven't, I didn't win last year, you know. I think I, I think I won one year, but it's like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I don't have another auction draft. No time, no time. <laughs> but you know what? You did mention that there's so much great young pitching and and so much pitching depth in general this year. It doesn't seem as top heavy. There's of course the the guys at the top you know are going to do what they do, but this is the year I feel like more than ever where if you wait on pitching, there's so much great pitching mm. in the middle rounds and. Kind of it's, touching on a few of those guys here. Sugar to my ears, David. <laughs> that's that's the mantra. That is it. Yes. That is every year. No one realizes what the depth is. When they say it's not deep, it's because they don't know who those guys are. Mm-hmm. This year, it's more apparent than ever, I think, because of how much more attention spring training is is getting. Like, would you have known about Alex Cobb or Matt Brash or Nick Lodolo and, and Reed Detmers or that Jesus Lizardo is throwing harder or, you know, all this stuff that were so much more accessible to instead of like one random, you know, note and then like cross like three months or something like that. Right. Like it's all at our fingertips now and it allows us to, to have so much more knowledge than we used to. It's insane. 
You hear that? that? That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. He gave you a bunch <laughs> of names on this list that are going to be awesome to talk about. And we have to hold off because there is this tier that we already mentioned. And just for those that might not have heard the names in the beginning, Morton, Max Fried, Joe Musgrove, Logan Webb, Kevin Gosman, Freddie Peralta, Aaron Nola. So there are a few names on this list I got to ask you about, Nick. Sure. And for a couple of reasons. So Kevin Gosman, he throws a splitter, very heavy. He and, does. And I know that you were, and I think you've kind of been known this more than anybody. You've said you're a little more hesitant of guys that have a splitter as their go-to pitch. Have you kind of softened that with him or mm. are you still kind of skeptical with him this year? Gaussman is the exception to the rule. It is the most consistent splitter in baseball. It used to be Masahiro Tanaka's and then he retired. Uh, and then now it's, now it's Gaussman's. Um, I mean, if you look at the numbers of Gaussman's splitter, which I hate saying the phrase of, um, <laughs> but uh, it's it really, it's just like the same thing all the time. It's always a successful pitch. The main difference in the last two years for Gaussman is the increased fastball velocity which I imagine is going to stick around uh, in Toronto and his command of it has just been great too. So those two factors are great. Uh, the fact that the humidor is existing for Toronto is going to help that out. And if you didn't know, I, it's my shock here. I remember being in Twitch chat. And if, if you ever impress Alexander chase, you've done something good <laughs> um, because we looked at park factors of Toronto and all of the offensive things were actually good for pitchers, except for one, which was dramatically in favor of home runs. So if you introduce a humidor, uh, you limit the home runs. I mean, maybe that does increase the doubles percentage or something like that. Nevertheless, it's a better situation. And Matt Chapman is there now, which is a mm -hmm. good thing. So I think the effects of going to Toronto, I mean, obviously it's the AL beast still, I get it. And it's not San Francisco, but there is a little bit more of a dampening to it. And yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Gaussman's still a good pitcher. Uh, and we'll do a lot of the same things he just did. And he'll be successful for a long portion of the season. And somebody else that's in this tier too, that you've also, I know, talked about and his delivery, Freddie Peralta, where you talked oh, about yeah. his cross body delivery and you were worried about if he could repeat doing that. Yeah. Is that a ticking time bomb well, for this am, am I high on him? Is this 17 like high? I feel like I'm low. Well, let's uh, see it. Nowadays, now it's 17, but initially it was would have been 21 by now because like uh, Flaherty was ahead of him. Sale was ahead of him. Lynn was ahead of him. DeGrom was ahead of him. You actually have him. So I'm looking NFBC. These are drafts over the last week. This is okay. These are how many drafts are these? 192 drafts over the uh -huh. last week here. And they have him as the 17th pitcher. And the fourteenth starting pitcher. Okay, cool. So I'm a little bit down, which is yeah. which I would imagine Gaussman and Charlie Morton are the main two offenders um, of me putting guys above a Peralta. But yeah, I mean, I am still a little bit concerned on about Peralta's mechanics. I found myself never targeting him. Uh, he just goes a little bit earlier than I would go and get him. I would get the aforementioned guys, um, Joe Musgrove included. I think is another one that probably might be behind uh, Peralta. I uh, yeah, I do wonder if his league leading hard contact rate, 17% last year, number one among all starting pitchers among 140 innings, isn't going to stick as much as I want it to either. And the walk rate is a concerning factor as well. Um, at the same time, I mean, I, I, I am obviously biased by watching his spring training starts and he looks like, yeah, Freddie Peralta throwing strikes and getting outs and not getting destroyed. And it's just gonna happen again you know so i just decided to leave him at 17 and i haven't drafted him but i imagine you won't like get destroyed with this like he's not gonna all of a sudden show up with like a four or five era or something either 
It's just no. not going to be the good whip that you want. It might be a little bit more volatile, but I think he should still be really good for you. Do you, does the way he does the way he throw the baseball kind of yeah? It's annoying. Concerned that or potentially injuries too. Just the way he throws, like <laughs> uh, I've stopped. I've stopped doing that. I uh, because whatever you want to say about potential injuries, everybody can get injured. Very fair. And it's just I'm not going to look at how they throw anymore. It's more about repetition than anything about being able to get the same release point every single time. And the simpler the motion, the less chance for variability, right? Um, Freddie Peralta not only has a lot of moving parts, he also throws ultra cross-stepped, uh, right? He throws, he steps towards third while being on the more the center or left of the rubber, uh, which makes it harder to get timing generally. But, you know, I mean, that's, you're going to still have a 9 to 10% walk rate, but it's going to come at really good hard contact suppression so hopefully it works out for him well on a positive note there we're going to before we move to tier four we're going to take a quick break hey alex fast here and thanks for listening to this podcast on the pitcher list podcast network if you're a fan consider supporting all of us by getting a PL plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff plus you can hang out with our incredible pitcherless community it's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as eight dollars a month you can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. (laughs) And we're looking now at this next tier, which is tier four. And Nick, I got to be honest with you. There is one name on this list, which I'll, I'll read the list first, and then I'll go back to him. Carlos Rodon, uh-huh. Alex, Mano- Alex Manoa, Trevor Rogers, Justin Verlander, Frankie Montas, Shane McClanahan, Jose Barrios, Yu Darvish, Chris Bassett, Dylan Cease, and Zach Gallon. This is a nice-looking tier, a lot of interesting names, and a lot of names if you wait on starting pitcher. It's a gold mine here. What's the name of this tier, and why do you call it that? I. It's called Excalibur because it's the Fender Stratocaster in classic white with triple single coil pickups and a whammy bar from 1964. <laughs> this is where I'm in my store and I'm looking on the wall. I'm like, this is this is what I want. This is where I want to live. Um, that's a Wayne's World reference, by the way. <laughs> I Yes, this is the tier of uh, if I could, I would get a lot of these guys. And they all have questions. And it's because I think that they are at enough of a discount because of those questions that if I could fill my roster with, you know, Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers and Justin Verlander and Zach Gallen, I'd be thrilled. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's the Excalibur. That's the name of that guitar. Well, you have Carlos Rodon. Up uh, I, knew it, I knew it. It's Rodon. I knew I gotta it. Gotta go okay. to him. So this is, yeah, everyone, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I apologize. <laughs> I had, I had an epiphany. I had a real like moment doing the list on on Sunday. And I'm I'm going to tell you right now, I am not someone, at least I try not to be, someone who's just going to keep saying the same thoughts because I said it before. And if I if I feel differently, if I realize that I might be doing something incorrectly, I will flat out say it. Um and I 
started to realize that given um, given the, all the questions we have in April, given the amount of injuries we've gone through, given my actual philosophy of saying, look, I believe in the process that you will find pitching in season, then what the heck am I doing ranking Carlos Rodon low? You know, why, why am I saying that, like, I don't want Carlos Rodon because he'll be hurt by July or August or something like that? Go get that quality because I'm going to believe in myself to find something else on the wire to replace that in a 12-teamer. And, hey, maybe it doesn't actually falter. So I, I pushed them up. I said, you know what? I know. I know he's an ace right now. I mean, it's, uh, it's undeniable. Like, his April, he's throwing the same velocity. I mean, he's throwing not 93 is what I should say. He's looking like himself in San Francisco. I mean, I'm not being stupid. And it's so funny on this exact podcast. Again, I'm apologizing. I feel terrible. I am so sorry. I'm saying, why is everybody raising him up now? Like nothing really has changed. The question is the injury, not the landing spot. Um, and that is true. But my philosophy has changed. So I'm just an idiot. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, that's why he's there at 19 now. Well, I mean, I moved him up too. I mean, first of all, there's some people that look good in orange and he definitely is <laughs> one of them. And you just see, like, I just saw, like, it hit me kind of in the same way that it hit you. Like, I was looking, I was watching TV and I saw the bottom crawl. It was like, you know, Carlos Rodon, four innings, one earned run, like five Ks or whatever, or eight Ks. I don't know what it was. I'm just saying, yeah. Like, yeah. And you're like, right, duh, because it's you're Carlos like, Rodon. He's going to be a monster. Like, however long he's <laughs> pitching, like, it's ridiculous. Like, why yeah. is he so slept on? And I mean, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, spring training numbers are spring training numbers. One, three, five ERA, eight strikeouts and 6.2 innings, 0.45 whip. But like you said, you know, when he's out there, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And the Giants gave him a two year deal. So they must be OK with his. Well, medical. yes and no. So, um, well, two things. One, there's two ifs. It was one is the big if is if he stays healthy through the year. And the other major if is if the velocity comes back. We didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And we uh, that's the, ma- the first major one. Yes, velocity is at least good enough uh, as current state. Um, the other if, of course, is to be an injury that is like, I don't know if that's answered. But I, <laughs> by, by the way, you're saying it looks good in orange. All I can think about is Knicks. I'm like, uh, man, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Uh, it's very rare to get like a New York Knicks that actually like fits. <laughs> um, that's completely just threw me off. Um, but anyway, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I screwed up, guys. I feel terrible about it. I know I'm doing it like three days before the season starts. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm Rodon now. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and I apologize, y'all. No, I mean, it, it's all good. He's there now. That's what matters. And he's part of a tier, headlining a tier, that has three of the most exciting young arms in it with Alec mm. Manoa, Trevor Rogers, and Shane McClanahan. Now, oh, yeah. I put this out on Twitter a poll just I said who would you rather have between Alec Manoa Trevor Rogers and Shane McClanahan for this year I know I have a guess of what everyone thinks go ahead what did you, what did you think the order it's, was they're all Shane McClanahan fans no he actually came really? in last yeah it was seriously it was Trevor Rogers by actually a decent margin wow. and then Manoa and then wow. Shane McClanahan I'm surprised I don't know what it is I know his, people are really scared of that hard contact how but there are a lot yeah. of pitchers like Shane Bieber who are really excelling at being able, you know, they just didn't give up a lot of contact. And when they did, it was obviously hit right. hard. But if you can miss bats, then you can kind of overlook that. And I kind of like how you have this. Are you, you have Manoa and Rogers separated by one spot, but you do have right. them kind of a, a few spots ahead of McClanahan. Do mm-hmm. you think that they're 
that much ahead of him, or do you could you see McClanahan being better than those two? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that you brought up Shane Bieber. Uh, I mean, outside the name, of course, but <laughs> the uh, his one concern I have is that his hard contact on his fastball is why he had that one twenty plus whip last year. Remember, he had that whip before the injury. We had concerns about Shane Bieber before the injury. Um, and I still kind of, there's a part of me that thinks like, oh yeah, Shane Bieber still isn't quite fixed, Nick. Uh, and that still that same idea might apply to McClanahan right now. Over 300 allowed average on his on his fastball, tons of hard contact, and as you mentioned, and that to me is something that's harder to fix. Uh, that doesn't just go away. Um, and Manoa and Rogers don't have those problems. Uh, Manoa's problem is different. He needs to throw more sliders for strikes, which we've seen in the spring, and also the changeups looking good. And it's like what. This is okay. All right, Manoa. But your command of your fastball isn't quite there. There's a little tweaks about those. But that, I think, is is a little bit easier, more believable for me to believe over time with more development. Um, Trevor Rogers got a lot of hype um, for a moment talking about this new slider, which is coming in softer. But, I mean, terrible camera angle, so I couldn't really judge at the eye test. As far as Savant says, it wasn't that much different, say, for the velocity in the most recent game. Um, it would be really cool if that slider became like a major thing, because that's clearly his third offering and it disappeared in the second half. Obviously he's going through personal things there too. And I've kind of um, excused him a little bit for the dip and the failure to get six innings in the final three months of the year for Trevor Rogers. I, I think that will come back. The fastball is good. Changeup is good. I mean, it, they're, they're easier things to fix. I think with Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers, which ultimately led me to put them above. And the very last tiebreaker there is that it's the raise and you never know. You never will know what the Rays are going to do. It does seem like the Rays are like, no, no, Shane, we need you, buddy. Do everything. But are they? <laughs> the Rays are going to Ray. Yeah, right? Uh, oh, I, did we have like a phrase? Someone demanded a phrase for the Rays. I think someone came up with something that was way better than anything I could have come up with. And I've forgotten it. So we'll think about that. We'll come up with something. I'm sure it was something good. I mean, they have their own way of doing things. And uh, as but it's been successful, so I guess we can't trash them too much. It just hurts our fantasy teams, but they know what they're doing. Right. Uh, I do have to before we close out this tier. Dylan Cease yeah. is is my heartthrob. <laughs> ah, that's right. You, you oh, I've been know. so cruel to you, David. I've been so cruel. It's it's been hard. I, I was thinking of letting it be, but I had to address <laughs> it. He asked me to address this to you. Oh, why, did he? Uh, why is he at number twenty eight? Yeah, you think this DC ranking is comical? No. Um. Why is he at 28 is because the walk rate is too high and it's a product of b- bad fastball and curveball command. And I think what we saw last year is kind of what Dylan Cease is. And the assumption that Dylan Cease will be better this year uh, is hard to swallow. Um, he had a, under 170 innings despite pitching 32 starts last year. He's not an efficient pitcher yet. And that's that's an issue to me. Uh, I think Alec Manoa, for example, has in some ways similar profiles to Cease of having both an elite slider, but he also has an elite four-seamer. And he just had a better season than Cease. I mean, yes, fewer innings, 120 or so, as opposed to Cease's um, 167. But uh, that was still way more impressive to me. And I, in my head, I'm like, why would I go for Cease when he didn't do the thing instead of Alec Manoa, who did the thing? And Cease has to get better for him to really justify being a top 25 guy in my eye. So he could absolutely, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out, but there's still more to be done with Dylan Cease at the moment. I think this is 
I ranked him in my top 30 last year. Uh-huh. And I think he does this step this season even more so. And I think I hope you're off, right. I, I think the offseason, you know, you that the core velocity belt, I think really helped him obviously cut down on his walks. It obviously, like you said, they do need to get better. He went from walking over five per nine in 2020 to 3.69 per nine last year. Obviously, the 12 Ks per nine are awesome. All his expected ERA, FIP, XFIP, all his all those estimators had it lower than his ERA. Um, the home runs per nine went down significantly. I do think, and there, all of that combined was a three nine one ERA and a 125 WHIP. I think there's, I think that extra summer, another summer, taking what he learned last off season with the core velocity belt, working with the their god pitching coach Ethan Katz, who just whatever he touches turns to gold. Apparently, <laughs> uh, I just Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, exactly. There's no fixing him at this point, but. Uh, <laughs> I think there's like it's one of those things you you kind of learn what works and what doesn't and you can build off of that. So I think there's another step forward he can make. And uh so that's why I he's obviously he's getting pushed up a lot too which kind of hurts, but um I've been loving getting him as like my SP3 cuz he that's a good range where you can take two guys that you know give you innings and are a little bit more solid and then he can kind of be in that middle area where you know he's going to give you sure. a lot of strikeouts and has that upside to kind of take your staff to the next level. Yeah, I mean, Alec Manoa and Cesar are very... I, I purposely pair those guys together because their sliders are very similar. Um, very similar strike rates, similar... CS, uh, CSW is in favor of Cease, but lower strike rate for Cease. Um, but like similar O-swings and zone rates as well. I. Uh, same hard contact suppression right around 12%. Like they're very, very similar sliders. So then you look at the rest of it and Alc Manoa has a four seamer that misses bats at a 17% swing strike rate. And uh, Dylan ceases is a 31% hard contact rate and 12% swing strike rate. Well, it's a 19% hard contact rate for Alc Manoa. And that to me is the difference maker, right? I mean, Dylan Cease, if you want to search for something else, uh, you, you, want it, you could say, oh, it's a 35% CSW on the curveball. 56% strike rate is not good. He needs something much more than that. Uh, the changeup is just not, you know, 54% strike rate. You don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> and not to mention the sinker also isn't a bad offering for Manoa as well. Uh, so there's there's more there for Manoa that makes me believe that there's, you know, that's more of a dependable get. But hey, you know, he did make a step forward last year, as you mentioned. There could be more coming for Dylan Cease. And that'd be cool. I mean, I'm, you know me, I don't, I never want them to fail. <laughs> I want them to go out there and just dominate every time. I want to squeal like, oh my God, Cease, look at you <laughs> with a, with a fantastic, you know, with 20 whiffs on your four seamer alone today. That'd be so cool. I'd love it. And they're going to need it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about another pitcher that got a, a little bit of a bump here with Lance Lynn's injury, but them losing Lynn, they're going to need Cease and Giolito to head that staff. And uh, well, there's another exciting name that I'm teasing that we'll get to in a second. But let's go to tier five. And this is a much shorter tier. Not as exciting as the last tier, but we got Clayton Kershaw, Blake Snell, Tyler Molly, and Pablo Lopez. And with this small tier and maybe these guys aren't as exciting to others, what is your name for these and what do you call them that? So these are, this is the pawn shop um, because they're dinged up a bit. Um, but you can find some gold. And uh, Clayton Kershaw was down 12 because we didn't know anything yet when I first mm. uh, put this out on the 21st. Like we had nothing to report about Clayton Kershaw yet. 
Now we know he's at 90, which is pretty much what he did last year, maybe slightly below, but it's Clayton Kershaw. So yeah, he goes up 12 spots to 30 now. I think you should feel pretty okay with Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Blake Snell's is big confusion. Um, I have no idea what to do with Blake Snell. Uh, he walked the the entire farm uh, last time out. He, uh, I, uh, as I mentioned last time, I think I, I messaged him on Twitch, <laughs> like, "Hey, dude, uh, the change up in timeout." Because, oh, I'm really excited to show it off. But then again, he only threw like four of them for like a seven percent rate in his last start. So maybe it still is in timeout. I hope that's the thing. Uh, Tyler Molly home road splits, but I kind of mm. hope it's noise. Um, I hope like it isn't as much of a factor again this year. I mean, it was, it's so drastic. I understand it is like really, really bad. Um, and then Pablo Lopez was throwing reduced velocity, but it was a little bit better. Um, I think yesterday and I think we're okay with Pablo Lopez. So yeah, they're all, they're all good. It's just, Hey guys, like, can you be better? <laughs> <laughs> so talking about Tyler Molly, his home road splits, if he was traded right now to the New York Mets, would you bump him up, or do you like you said? Do you think that it's there's not much to it? Man, you are so kind. You just saw me like rub my <laughs> ear intensely, and you just did not react to it. My God, this is this is what makes a good host. Everybody who just rolls with it, acts like he saw nothing, is very professional. Um, would I put Tyler Molly up higher? Maybe, not really a whole lot. Probably, I guess. Yeah, I probably would. I probably put him around Chris Bassett at 27, who, by the way, terrified me today. Um, or like this morning, looking at Sunday's start, which I didn't know about until this morning. Uh, Chris Bassett's down like two and a half ticks in his velocity. Oof. Yeah, yeah, not great, Bob. We're talking like 90 and change instead of like 92, 93. And as someone who's been in on Bassett, because I believe the slider used to do go up, which it did 27%. Which it was 10% last year, and that increased the strikeout rate, which is really good. Having the sinker come in slower, uh, as always, and it's always been this like mystery good pitch. Uh, if it comes in slower, it won't be a mystery anymore, it'll be like a mystery mediocre pitch, and that ruins the entire foundation. So, I'm hoping this is just kind of we haven't really seen much of Bassett, and he's just kind of getting warmed up. Then again, it's one start away, like this is the next start is the majors, like the season so bassett you gotta like come on like be better it's the mets too there's a mets curse as much as people don't want to say it there is i know look the mets are our our little brother and (laughs) i it's you don't want to see it just give them one like (laughs) like let them have it once and we're gonna look back to we're so gonna look back on all these years of the mets and say what if degrom was healthy and and scherzer was you know all this stuff what if it wasn't Pete Alonso's down year in 2020 or something like all of this? Uh, it's just not fair to the Mets and poor Bassett. I hope he's okay. We're going to be optimistic and, and pray that he's going to get that velocity back and oh yeah, hold the fort down until Jacob deGrom can come back there for him. But let's top into tier six, a very exciting tier. There's a lot of, if you like colors, there's a lot of badges in this tier, <laughs> a lot of movers, a lot of shakers here. You yeah. got Luis Severino, Michael Kopech, Patrick Sandoval, the Irish Panda himself, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Ivaldi, Logan Gilbert, Shohei Otani, and Framber Valdez. It's a very exciting tier getting off of the last tier. And what do you call this tier and why do you call him that? (laughs) 
So I'm going to call this the I uh, the movie rental TV. And uh, what I mean by that is like these are the guys that are on like that are the movies that are playing by the the clerks because it's like that movie that not everyone really knows and loves but this clerk does. He's really <laughs> into it. You know, that's this tier. <laughs> So I don't want to say like cult classic all the way, but it's like, oh, have you seen this movie? Oh, you got to see this movie. Oh, man. You're like, you step in. You don't really know it that well. And he's like, no, it's the best movie, man. That's, yeah, that's tier six. Because, um, I mean, you have like Eduardo Rodriguez in here. And I know that so many of you listening are like in on Erod or Logan Gilbert, right? I mean, I'm into the Irish. Yeah. Yeah, right. The uh, right, He was working with, with the Grom. And was it done? He's mm-hmm. been bad in this yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a new slider, a new changeup over time. We hope that will work. We didn't get any TV or Savant yesterday with Gilbert. And uh, I hope that the slider and changeup are going to work themselves out, but doesn't seem like they're doing well so far. But like, yeah, the Irish pandas here, Patrick Sandoval, and I love him more than like anyone else, apparently. <laughs> you know, like DVR and Eno in the last OTC podcast last week, we brought on Eno and DVR. It was an amazing time. And they had a cage match where Eno had him at like 62 and the DVR had him at like 80 something. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I have about 40, <laughs> you know, it's insane. It's crazy. By the way, Clevenger was above this. So there's another extra plus one now. So now it's Lance Lynn. It's, it's Clevenger and the Grom instantly giving bumps to everybody. So now we're up to plus yeah. three. We're getting all the green here. Yeah, Clev Dog looked really bad. I mean, oh, I mean yeah. he's hurt, and that was terrible. I, I feel bad. He was one of those guys. I mean, you have speaking of Luis Severino, mm. uh, a guy that's coming back off a major injury. You might have actually be the highest on him that I've seen. You feel good? Like I've, I haven't watched he's there. Ninety six, ninety seven velocity. The slider was really nice last time out. The changeup still is the last one, but I, uh, I mean, we're really getting to the point of if you're looking for security, like. There is none here. All right. You're in the middle of a forest. Oh, that should be the next year. Um, but uh, it's, you know, you're not, you're, you're starting to get close to that cliff of taking chances, making mistakes, game messy. That is my Miss Frizzle method. Right. And <laughs> Severino is, I mean, the Yankees are going to lean on him this year. And if he's throwing 96, 97, that's pretty much the old velocity. Uh, that's great news with the wicked slider he used to have. Um, yeah, I feel pretty good about Severino. Yeah, I mean, as long as he has the breaking stuff, which I know he wasn't throwing a lot in the beginning of spring training, he just has to have that secondary stuff. And you've already seen the ace potential in the past that he's shown with the secondary stuff. But the guy right below him is somebody I feel like, I mean, Michael Kopech at 35, I've seen him as one of the most popular breakout candidates this year. Mm. People are trying to make sure they get some Michael Kopech. And you seem like you're on that train too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't know. I don't really see him as like a breakout because he's already dope. Like he's already really good. We know this. It's just about, oh, cool. Now he's starting, you know, like uh, I can see like a breakout being like Tarek Skubal, who wasn't good last year necessarily. That's fair like that. But no, no, you're I'm you are not the first person to say this or whatever like that. Like you're just like pulling from the I'm not criticizing you whatsoever. Like, yeah, right. It's not really like a well, there's like the breakout sleeper. It's like it's always hard to tell like the differences yeah. when you how you phrase yeah, them. Yeah, right, right, right. I uh, um uh, but um but yeah, Michael Kopech, I mean, I'm in on this. The the White Sox 
there was a quote even in like November. I remember the entire preseason like yelling at everybody, being like, guys, he is starting. Y'all are going to know this. <laughs> and like you can make a case that he should be drafted over Dylan Cease. I mean, I'm going to hopefully if I get my stuff done tomorrow, I can put out this bold predictions article by Wednesday. Um, and it's going to have something about Kopech and Dylan Cease. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Kopech is the best pitcher on the White Sox for the year. Oh, my God. No, um, I, take that. I, can't I mean, that. but that's I mean, uh, I, I want to do that with Lance Lynn being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, now it's an easier one to do. So I might have to add in something of like the AL Central because it has to be true 10 percent chance. You know, that's how I work with bull predictions. But regardless of it, I mean, Kopech throws elite velocity, has a wicked slider and uh, a, a developing curveball and changeup, and it will work. Um, one last thing I do want to mention, Clevenger actually is kind of good that he's on the IL uh, because now he can ramp up properly without costing you a roster spot. And that's good. So be happy that Clevenger's on the IL. After that first outing, you were all like, oh, no, he's not going to get many pitches in time. But now it's great. He's going to come out firing five, six whenever he's healthy. So it's wonderful. Yeah, stash him and then kind of pick up some of these other guys in the meantime until he's able to come back there. Let's get now to tier seven. You got John Means, Luis Garcia, Alex Wood, Ian Anderson, the aforementioned Tariq Skubal, Alex Cobb, and Sonny Gray. There's one guy in this tier that's been lowered some. The rest have been rising up the ranks here. So what is the name of this tier and why do you call it that? Yeah, I'm just going to cheat and call it the forest because there's no more yeah. security. <laughs> I, but I mean, it kind of is that of like, here, yeah, you know what? It's the fire burning in the forest because Ian Anderson is the red among the green. Um, and yeah, it's it's the place of, you know, all right, you're on your own here. Figure this out yourself. <laughs> um, because I mean, it's it's we really are approaching it. Tier eight is the definitive. I think tier eight, tier nine is like where the definitive cliff is to me. Um, and tier seven is the area of like, all right, you know what? These guys should be fine too. Um, Ian Anderson came out today with a toe problem. Uh, it looked like, so there might even be an IL stint for Ian Anderson. I got to oh, get rid no. of him. Um, maybe not. Maybe it could just be like one start or something. We'll see. Uh, but my concern about Ian Anderson was the con- command wasn't good at all in the spring. And just my gut feeling that I've been saying over these OTC podcasts and like, I just have a feeling that Ian Anderson is going to put it together went against the underlying um, suggestions of numbers, right? And I stopped listening to my gut. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I should just play it a little bit safer here and go for some other guys I like, like Alex Wood throwing a little bit harder or Luis Garcia, who I was too down on and Eno and company convinced me um, to raise him up or John Means, who has a better situation now in Baltimore and is still really good and will get lots of innings and... That's really cool. So I dropped Ian Anderson down to 45. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so with the injuries and, and everything else. But the guy on this list and this part of the list that really caught my eyes, Alex Cobb. He's one of my oh, favorite, man. one of my favorite guys this year. You raised Not him up fair. 27 spots. And, and I still can't get him. Yes, he's <laughs> he's shooting up draft boards right now. And I think it was it the was it the velocity increase? You think oh god, it? it's insane. Like he topped out in his career at 95 and change, and he's now sitting there and hitting like 97. Like, what? Mm-hmm. What? We haven't actually seen it like proper. We just got reports on this. Um, but I, I wrote that. I, I had that series of, I think it was nine articles that were my going deep during the lockout, which I'm sure everybody forgot about now for good measure. <laughs> um, but I, Alex Cobb was one of the last ones I did. 
And I mean, he's, he's great except for the fastball getting hit too much. And he limits home runs really well. He has this nice first pitch curveball. He has the thing, which is a splitter, uh, which does good stuff. But it's just, yeah, the, the sinker can get hit pretty hard. And that's a problem. Oh, but now he's throwing it harder and he masks those mistakes. And he's in San Francisco, which is even it's going to mask his mistakes even more. Like, yeah, OK, I'll yes, I, I want that, you know, and I and I really wrestled with where to put him fast even sent me. Am I crazy if I want Alex Cobb over John Means? I said, don't do this. Don't do this. It's it's John Means. It's your ace. The first ace you've had in so long. And don't you dare sully this with your former ace and Alex Cobb. Just don't do it, man. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 incredibly tempting. And I wouldn't really blame anyone for uh, for jumping this. It's honestly, it was a really tough decision. Like Alex Wood versus Alex Cobb, you know? I, I think, I mean, I still might give it to Alex Cobb there. I mean, the oh, velocity wow. increase is obviously exciting. But just kind of looking, and I, I wrote up Alex Cobb this offseason as well. And the Giants are like the king of, hey, what are your two best pitches? All right, those are your two best pitches according to what analytics say. Well, throw those well, off. Yes. Okay. So are you thinking of Gaussman and Descofani when you say that? Yes. Because they were doing that before San Francisco. Descofani was like in 2019 when he was doing his best, it was like sliders all the time. I don't know. I'm sorry for the pushback on this. No, I've, no. I've wondered so much about like, how much are the Giants actually doing this? So, or is it, yeah. So, I did see. So, for at least for Gosman, he went from between his splitter and fastball, he threw it 80% of the time in 2020, and then he upped it to 90% of the time in 2021 oh, yeah? between the two pitches. Mm. Okay. So, they okay. haven't thrown even more. And I look Great already point. at Alex, and I look at Alex Cobb who actually last year, his 37.2% usage of his split finger actually was even higher than Gosman's, And it was the highest of any pitcher in Major League Baseball that threw the pitch at least 150 times or more in plate appearances. So mm. um, I'm wondering how much more they can up that. And he yeah. actually threw the pitch with two strikes nearly half of his at-bats. He faced hitters in 2021 too. So that was his strikeout pitch. He threw it a ton. But with the velocity increase, is he going to start throwing his fastball more? Could that get, could it be kind of taking away from his best pitches if he's not locating it or if there's not a lot of movement on it? So it's kind of complicates it for me a little bit because I thought they would just have him just throw a whole bunch of splitters and just keep that approach. But, sure. but I, I don't know. There's still something about it. Him being with the Giants, they do this all the time. The velocity increase, they're about that. I'm sure he's still going to uh, throw his split finger. And we saw the the jump he made with the Angels last year. I mean, he had a nine and a half K per nine last year after like a six K per nine in Baltimore. Like he's already made a jump. And I know he went to drive line in 2020, which helped. But I think there's another gear here. And I think he's actually my favorite Giants pitcher. That's not Carlos Rodon. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, so that's uh, Alex Wood, uh, Anthony Escafani, Alex Cobb. And who's the fifth one I'm forgetting? Logan Webb. You like him oh, more than Logan Webb. Oh, no, no, no. I, I sh- I'll, I'll take that. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot you know, about Webb. You know, it's just, it's wild. Um, if you're in on Logan Webb and Alex Cobb, it's crazy that we're into guys with BB in their names. But you yeah, know, here we are. I uh, Alex Wood walks fewer guys. Eight point five percent walk rate last year for Alex Cobb. Uh, Six point seven percent for Alex Wood will help with the whip. I wonder if uh, he can raise his strike rate on his sinker, Alex Cobb, if he's throwing it harder. Only sixty three percent which made the splitter actually get more strikes 
um, at its 65% rate than Cobb's fastball, which is wild. And I, you never see that. I mean, if you think of Gaussman with his, you know, one, two punch, the fastball being a 72% strike rate is what makes that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe having more confidence with sinkers in the zone uh, is the answer for that. We'll see. Could happen. It's going to be exciting. And if, I mean, the Giants know how to unlock that other gear and pitchers. I mean, it, it'll be exciting if they can do that with him. And uh, be a good deal for sure. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's so frustrating for me to talk about a guy like this and actually push him that much without actually seeing him. <laughs> I don't do that. I have to see them. And I haven't yet, which is just so frustrating. Why? You know, elect me commissioner. Every single stadium needs to have not only savant data for everything, including including minor leagues and with uh, with spring training, but also the camera angle. Oh, my. That needs to be centralized. That needs to be. Oh, that needs to be fixed so badly. Oh my God. The one with the angels drove but me why did, nuts. Why do they do that? Why change the camera angle from what normal games are like to that? Like, well, they think, oh, the change is exciting because it's something. No, no, no. And it's nothing like that. It's the stadium. It's how it's built and where they, you know, here. Oh, by the way. Oh yes. Let's come over here with a camera. This is where we have for you to place your camera. We don't, they don't have a place right behind, you know, where it should be. Right. So I would make every single stadium build the place <laughs> with the camera. And say, no, it needs to be framed like this. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. I thank goodness we're a couple days away from not seeing those angles again for another year. Yeah, then we got to deal with the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that how they're, that how theirs is every single game? The, the Cardinals is pretty bad. I mean, the spring training one is bad, but like, like in season, it's a little bit better. But last, they used to have a really good one. And then they went to this like off-centered and you can like zoomed out. It's I can see all of second base. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that bag. What are we talking about? Uh, yeah, it's it's disgusting. Crazy. But you know what? This next tier is the opposite of that. So that's going to help us kind of get back into a nice state of mind with these pitchers. We got tier eight, Joe Ryan, Tanner Houck. I uh, love Tanner Houck so much. Reed Detmers and Matt Brash, who is shooting up the ranks here. 28 spots. Only Reed Detmers at 21 in this tier is the only one that's not quite a shot as high as him. Uh, you must really like these guys, these young studs who are all going to be in the rotation and could be, I don't, I don't want to say league winners because huh. they're where they're going and, and what they could do, but do you, you like all these guys. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is called Boss Babies. Um, and that's the name of this tier, tier eight. And I, I just want to say I want to get credit, everybody, because Detmers and Brash, you don't see an unranked. They were on here before everybody was like, oh, Brash and Detmers. No, I had them ranked and aggressive at like 70 something before. Um, so, yeah, I like all of these. Um, Tanner Houck to me is the one that is weirdest to me because I want him to throw more slider strikes. And I think like that is a major issue for him. And also will limit how long he can go in his games for the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been also very coy about how they're treating Tanner Houck, and it frustrates me. Mm. Meanwhile, Joe Ryan is throwing, oh, my God, I'm about to burp. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Joe Ryan, and by the way, it's like 57 minutes or something. And so, we, yes, we will go a little bit long on this podcast. Joe Ryan is throwing harder in spring training. That's cool and makes me more encouraged to be in on him. Um, with, while Detmers and Brash, I got to say, 
the first thought I saw with Detmers, I was like, oh man, this guy has the repertoire. And even last year, we saw it for a start where he was throwing curveballs for strikes and sliders whiffs, and he was 21. And, you know, he got drafted the year before in the first round by the Angels. And he was up already. And it was this obvious situation. I don't know. Not that obvious, but still like, oh, hey, this guy could develop and be something. And he's been looking amazing. High fastballs, too, with whiffs and stuff. I'm a fan of what Demers brings to the table. And the reason he's above Brash is because it feels like a more polished repertoire that could go six. While Brash, amazing curveball. We all know this. The whiffs galore. It's incredible. Um, the fastball is also 96 and he doesn't uh, elevate with intent, but there isn't much else. There will be a walk issue. Uh, I compare him a little bit. I get a vision of Lance McCullers a bit with a better fastball, um, but I, it's going to be weird. It's going to be very, very weird with Brash. I don't think he has the same ability that Lance McCullers does of getting the breaker in the zone. And we'll see. I mean, it's all it's worth it is the point. And we're at this, I think really tier nine and tier 10 allow me to rank these guys in tier eight. And it's so important to understand this. I am not saying that if you take the entire year projection and what happens to these guys for the full season, that all four of these are going to be better than everyone else below. What I'm saying is that it's in your best interest to take the chances on these guys because you'll be able to draft the guys in tier nine and tier 10 to get the comfortable innings that you want anyway. So make sure that you are getting the ceiling guys and getting those chances to get, as you mentioned, league winners. And then, yeah, then you'll get your Nick Martinez and Zach Eflin. Like both of those guys go undrafted often and Mm -hmm. they're going to help your teams, you know? And so instead of, of, going after them early and then not being able to get Reed Detmers and Matt Brash, just go and get those young guys and then get the stable ones later. It's easy. We saw no this problem. last year. Like we talked about before the young three, that was Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers, Shane McClanahan. These were like young hyped guys. Mm, Freddie and, you Peralta. and Freddie Peralta. Like, but some of these guys you picked up on the waiver wire and you saw what they did for your team down the stretch. Like, you know, Trevor Rogers was somebody that looked good in spring training, and then he ended up being a monster for most of the year. Right. Alec Manoa was one of the best fab pickups of the year with what he gave you for the Blue Jays. And uh, I mean, again, that's that's the type of things these guys can do. And so I, I like how you have them above some of the guys that you can get later, like you said, that are more kind of safe. You know what they're going to do. And if they go off, then you're getting a good value. And if they don't, then you know what? It's low enough where you can you know, do stuff later in the draft to where you can cover up those mistakes. So I like I mean, that. Yeah. You're not drafting these guys in like the 10th round or something. So half the back half of your draft, you're not going to have most of those guys by the end of the year, maybe even by like July, even just take those chances. Again, miss frizzle guys, take chances, make <laughs> mistakes, get messy. It's the, it's the best method. So then we get into tier nine, Sean Manaya, John Gray, Ranger Suarez, Marcus Stroman, Adam Wainwright, Oscar Inoa, Tristan McKenzie, Jose Urquidy, Jordan Montgomery, Nick Lodolo, Jesus Lazardo, Tyler McGill, and Hunter Green. Might be the the biggest tier and yeah, a very, very interesting tier. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's just names here. There's guys that could pop off, guys that have some question marks here. 
I, one of the things that I first saw, Sean Manaya, you have him down two spots. He just got traded to the Padres. Mm. Do you think this is going to negatively affect him more than positively affect him? Yes. Yeah. And he is the leader of what I'm calling your maintenance guys. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you need some help. You call him, yeah, what can I do for you? You need some innings? I got some innings, whatever. You need some a little bit of upside? No problem. I got some upside. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I always like defer to my terrible Brooklyn accent. I've it's never heard it, but I love it. I've done this since I've been like eight, and it's always so bad. Um, but anyway, I yeah, you have a little bit of everything. So like Sean Mania, um, he's uh, you know getting traded to the Padres, all that kind of stuff. Doesn't change anything, honestly, to me. Anything you want to say about being an Oko with even with the humidor stuff negated by the fact that you get more wins with the Padres. It doesn't really change much. The question mark is what's his velocity? And it's been 88 to 90 and not 92. It could be something that ramps up. It's what we saw last year. He was at 90, 91 to begin the year. And then by you know June, he was at 92 and changing, killing it. So that could be the situation with Sean Manaya. I don't really want to chase that instead of you know the other guys that we mentioned. But I mean, there's so many fun ones here. John Gray looks great. Uh, there are some guys that I watch here. I'm going to burp again because whatever. <laughs> um, John Gray, I along with like Nick Martinez and Zach Evelyn and I, I don't know, uh, Adam Wainwright. You, you watch them pitch and they're just in control of the game. Um, they're not battling themselves with every pitch. Like they can put the fastball down and away and then the fastball up and in and then have a good breaker for a strike. Like, oh, yeah, they are properly pitching. And the good news about John Gray is that him properly pitching creates whiffs because he throws a little bit harder than the other ones. And he has this really nice slider. And apparently there's a new sweeper hitting town in Texas and makes his already good slider even better. I'm very much in on drafting John Gray. I actually put him in. uh, I put him at number 60 in the initial February 8th. I list and I haven't put him lower than that since. So I, I'm very much in there. I could talk about all of these guys. I'm not going to, cause my God, this podcast needs to not be <laughs> 10 hours. So, but yeah, yeah, that's the first one I want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, the list, like you said, is very interesting. Jesus Lazardo being on there. He looks like, I mean, the increased velocity. Oh, and, and well, it's, not even, it's not even. Yeah. yeah was, say, finish it. I'm sorry. I, I was saying, him finally increasing his secondaries, throwing those yes! more. Finally, 48% curveballs. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's what we saw in the end of the year last year when he had success, but it didn't come with a 97 mile per hour fastball. Like it was 95 then. Now it's 97 and fewer sinkers. Great. Cause that pitch sucks. <laughs> and the four seamers really good or at least better. That's super exciting. I would take a chance on that. And yeah, there's Nick Lodolo who now actually is the sixth guy apparently for the reds. Like he's going yeah. there and the expectation is that he's going to pitch the sixth game against Cleveland. You know, I was really upset. Gray Albright spent $60 on Lodolo. I thought I was going to sneak him in. I thought everyone had forgotten it. Then that news came out on Sunday. I was so upset because I had like a $35 bid. I was like, this is going to be easy money. And then Gray gets him for $60. I'm like, oh, this stinks. They knew our fab periods were coming. So they were like, all right, we got to get this news to us. Unreal. Uh, (laughs) No, no. Gray clearly saw my list that came out like two hours before it. And knew that I liked him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Lodolo. I like him more than Hunter Green. Hunter Green throws 100. That's great. But it does not come with good command and not as good secondaries. Plus, his fastball is oddly hittable. While Lodolo, to me, is, I don't know. I think he's a really good lefty, a deceptive fastball that it does not get hit as hard as you would think it would. With a really nice slider, lower arm action. I think there's a lot to like with Lodolo. He can just kind of 
cruise through innings. He's kind of like a younger John Lester almost. Uh, it's kind of interesting, and I'm very much in. It's interesting because you might be solo Lodolo uh, uh, on him being over Hunter Green right now. I, yes. I, oh, is that right? I, I know some. I've seen a lot oh. of Hunter Green hype and pushing him. I mean, obviously he's starting ahead of him right now in the rotation. Yeah, but bigger prospect pedigree and um, I, you know, there was actually someone on Twitch mentioned this. I thought was really smart. It wasn't my original thought. Is the point I'm trying to make? Hunter Green is on the forty man. Lodolo wasn't. So I think Ooh. that they were willing to say Hunter Green first because he was on the forty man. Ah. And then they made the later decision about Lodolo. And if that's why people are switched on, that's great news. I mean, it's fine for me if people feel that way. Uh, I didn't help we get with Real Bright. What, who, who is he? Any? What is Razzball anyway? You know, how long have they been around forever? And everything? <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, this does shock me a little bit, but I understand velocity is velocity sometimes and it can make us crazy. But then again, well, you know, here, here's the, the, the big difference. You could, yeah. so bringing it so nfbc adp over the last week hunter green going around 315 uh-huh. nick lodolo going around 458 really yeah that what about the pretty- last like three days <laughs> that's actually a good point let me pull that up uh, i mean i can i can stall very very easily yeah. here i felt uh, marcus stroman and adam wainwright uh each fell a bit same with orkidi or montgomery it might be thinking oh man i'm really out on these guys i'm not I just think that the, each one of them aren't going to do enough with their ceiling for me to say, yes, I want to definitely go after them. I am at the point where ceiling matters a lot more. Um, and I had some other ceiling guys, Lodolo, Lazardo, McGill, Green underneath, but I still want to push, you know, John Gray. Even Ranger Suarez has a higher ceiling, obviously, from last year. Sean Manaya does, Brash, Detmers, Hauk, Ryan, etc. Mm-hmm. So I have them higher above Stroman, Wainwright, Rikidi, Montgomery. So this is since yesterday. There's been yeah. over 60 drafts since yesterday. Since Sunday, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're recording on Monday. And Hunter Green's going around pick 306. Okay. Nick Lodolo's going 411. Wow, guys. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. These, these are the times I'm like, I should have been in an NFC. <laughs> <laughs> and watch, I'm going to be so wrong. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be absolutely gap. wrong. That is a very huge gap. I mean, that, whether, that it's, to me. whether it's you're know, like you're right or wrong, I don't think they should be 100 picks apart. Yeah, I I, um, I am going to acknowledge that my strategy is also for 12 teamers. And it's definitely different in a 15 team. We need a little bit more focus on depth and security. And I would imagine that there had there was more security in Hunter Green. Uh, but yeah, I would I, I think Lodolo is better, y'all. That's interesting. I I can see it though. Like everything you're saying makes sense for that. But uh, just watch yeah. the two. Just just, just sit down. And just watch them and like understand. Is Lodolo executing what he wants to do? Is Hunter Green doing it? What are the swings like? And Hunter Green reminds me a little bit of bad Noah Syndergaard. Um, hmm. if you watch Noah Syndergaard in his bad, you know, like normal, like you know 126 whip days uh it's because his fastball always had a babip above 300 it was always like middle of the zone like ym lock which is there's high lock ym lock and low lock if you're going from the top of the zone to the bottom right and that's the uh vertical middle location super high um and i feel like hunter green doesn't pitch he doesn't throw it where he wants to and the breaker balls are only effective because of the velocity difference but actually like Break wise, like they're okay. I, I just think it's too hittable. 
that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And luckily, they're both going to get shots in the rotation, and we can see mm-hmm. how they pitch. Uh, let's go to Tier 10. You got Zach Eflin, Nick Martinez, Anthony Disclafani, Steven Matz, Aaron Savale, Patrick Corbin, and Hinjin Ryu. I look at this tier, and this reminds me of math class. It's just very boring. Oh, and- don't say this. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's Tier 12. That's Tier 12. Uh, what the- okay. Uh, okay. How dare you? So How this is you? this is like uh, okay this is like English class then if that's math oh class God. this is English class as a PE teacher all these <laughs> other subjects <laughs> are like the same but all um, right all right I, I would call this PE I think this is I'm really excited in my day to go after this this is actually what makes me okay doing the Joe Ryan stuff and the the brash because I am like licking my chops going after this this is the uh, this is the, I know a guy tier like. You're really like, oh, you need some help? Yeah, no, I know a guy. I'm going to call in. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll have, I'll have one Aaron Savali, please. And a Nick Martinez. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah five minutes, no problem. Yeah, thanks. Exactly. I, I know I know a guy. I know the guy to get, you know? Um, but yeah, no, really. Zach Eflin is going to get the athletics and going to get the Marlins to start the year. Um, and he's around 75. I think he just pitched close to 65 pitches um, in his last start. Great. So he'd be at 75, 80 for that first one against the athletics. And he should be all good to go against the Marlins. That could be two free wins with that offense. Um, Nick Martinez, man, he looks good. Watch him start and really understand, is this guy executing what he wants to do with four pitches? Curveball slider, change up fastball. He goes fastball down and away, fastball up and in. Like he actually works a sequence. It's great. Anthony Descafani, as you mentioned, two pitches that just work. And it worked last year and she feel comfortable with that with the Giants. Cool. Steven Matz has, uh, I think, the Pirates first. With that Cardinal defense? What? Yeah, okay. I'll take that. Aaron Savali just made the Mariners look dumb, and that was actually a good lineup and had seven strikeouts and four innings with a really good curveball and cutter, the two things that matter with Aaron Savali. Um, Patrick Corbin, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I I legitimately think that we're all like sleeping on Patrick Corbin, and I know it sounds so dumb. Because I told, I talked about him endlessly last year when he was so bad. He's burned so many of you. You don't need to draft him. You legitimately won't. There, no one in your league will want to draft him. Just watch the first start. Just watch it and be ready to pull the trigger. That's all I'm saying about Patrick Corbin. I can't get it out of my head that Corbin is going to like just be like 2019 again. Velocity is there. Uh, slider whiffs are there it's just about not throwing as many meatball fastballs and just going more towards the edges and then there's Ryu and I don't really care (laughs) (laughs) well I was gonna ask you think like do you think his the the family thing that was going on him being separated from his family I I don't want to look into a narrative but Mm. people were saying that they really do think that affected him that might be that's honestly that's the first time I've heard that yeah, they said that that was that he was having some problems with them being so far away. Interesting. And that was and it wasn't the case in twenty twenty and two thousand nineteen. Yeah, it was something unique to last year. Oh, interesting. That I mean, I gave that to Trevor Rogers, right? Uh, or not necessarily exactly that, but personal issues that helped with the second half or hurt the second half. That could be it. Ryu just didn't. He had worse velocity and worse command, and it made me very, I. Uh, I don't know, fearful of a bad season in the AL beast. Yeah. Um, where all the other things, all the other guys, I'd feel easier to latch on to quicker. And Ryu just feels like so risky to me, but I can't deny that maybe it comes back. So that's why I still have Met 72. 
And like you said, a lot of these guys are either going at the very end of drafts or borderline undrafted. And you can just pick mm. these guys up as, you know, you see them through a start and you're like, okay, like perfect guy right. out of my bench. And that's where they can ride there. So I like that. This next tier, tier 11, we've got, if, if we had kind of older English class guys here for the most part, this is a lot of young, exciting players. We have Aaron Ashby, Bailey Ober, Mitch Keller, Josiah Gray, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Lorenzen, Luis Patino, and Drew Rasmussen, tier 11. What is the name of this tier? Oh, man. This is one that's going to be weird because I've never done this, but I call it the four loco tier. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the young, exciting thing, but it's probably a bad idea. Uh, and so like, okay, so Aaron Ashby, I could be way off base here. Look, the way I know it right now, there have been rumors of a six man. I have not heard any confirmation. The problem here is roster spots in April are super valuable. Super, super, super valuable. If it's not a six man, we have no idea how long Aaron Ashby is just going to be sitting there. And that's so frustrating. Remember Michael Kopech last year? Mm-hmm. He got like one start during a doubleheader and we all freaked out about it. And I was like, no, 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 it's just like a doubleheader start. We won't really see it much. He started three times the entire season. And it could be an Ashby thing, right? Uh, it could be the case of we're just waiting on it. And instead, I want to get Tyler McGill right out of the gate. He's throwing 95-97 now. And DeGrom is hurt. And like he'll have that and run with it. Um, so that's why Ashby's here. The second that Ashby is confirmed in the rotation, he goes up to Detmer's um, mm-hmm. above that. Like he goes there. And keep that in mind if you're listening. If you feel confident about Ashby starting early, Go get him. I think he's amazing. I've been joking about how much I love him for ages. Jordan White on In the Deep has been incredibly enamored with him, too. It's just yeah. like we love the dude, okay? Everybody else here, uh, I, I don't know. Bailey Ober, I mean, I don't think he does enough. He would have multiple games of like four innings last year. We call him Bailey Oberizzi. Mitch Kelly's throwing harder, but it still gets hit hard. And he went um, 13 for or 14 for 29 with strikes on breaking balls, which is sub 50%. It's an issue. It's an absolute issue with Keller that isn't fixed by the velocity. Josiah Gray, we don't really know if he's going to get the command. And Syndergaard, I don't love. I don't love where Syndergaard's at. He's throwing like 94. Mm-hmm. And that's not prime Syndergaard. And his slider is not as good. I that's This isn't like he wasn't an ace when he was ready in 2019. He was like a SP 2 to 3. Really like a 3. And he doesn't have the slider, the best weapon he had, and he doesn't have the velocity he had. That's not good. <laughs> I still want, I, like, I would take a chance as I'm clearly saying at 77, but that's not good. So I'm most likely out because someone will be in. Yeah. I mean, they just hear the spring training hype and they buy into that. I, I do want to go back to Ashby for a second. Because, of course. Uh, I love Aaron Ashby. Yeah. Uh, I, if there's an, an A train going around, like I'm, I'm riding the train with uh, with Jordan White with you on this one. A couple things here: his slider had a oh. point, a .79 expected batting average against. <laughs> that that was the third lowest in all of baseball. Yeah, it's of so pitches good. of pitches thrown 200 or more times as far as a batting average against. Mm-hmm. Only behind Corbin Burns, it's curveball and Blake Tryon's slider. Uh, he is absolutely filthy. I think. I mean. You feel like he's the next, like it was first, it was Brandon Woodruff was kind of coming in, working his way into the rotation, and then he was a star. Corbin Burns, in his own way, kind of worked his way into the rotation, and then he was a star. 
Freddie Peralta last year kind of had this uncertainty swing man. What's he doing? And then kind of broke in and then he became a star. I think he's the next one. And I think it's this year. And I think you're getting it such a discount for him right now that like you have to jump on that because I think, I, I think they're going to see the talent and they have Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser ahead of him. And I mean, Lauer already seems like he's had some injury concerns, even if they've been minor. I think he gets in the rotation and then he doesn't lose the job. I hope you're right. Um, I will say there are there is a flaw um, with Aaron Ashby, and he's a sinker focused guy. He threw it about a third of the time last year. Twenty one point five percent CSW on it. Hard contact was twenty five percent, which is above average for a sinker, but it's not you know it's not something that makes me leap out of my chair for him. Uh, it comes in hard ninety six ninety seven, but it isn't. I want. I don't know. I I, I don't like that it had a three thirty three average allowed. I uh, and yes, it had high Babbitt on it, but it's not this big whiff pitch six percent swing strike rate. Uh, I do wonder if uh, you know maybe he goes to the four seamer instead, which he barely threw, but he got some whiffs on it. I mean, thirty six percent swing strike rate is funny, but he threw two percent of the time. He threw 11 of them, <laughs> but I, uh, but regardless, it's, I mean, I think that's four whiffs. If I did my quick maths there, I it's Aaron Ashby is obviously a major talent um, and we're excited about it. How long do we have to wait is the big question. I mean, I wouldn't have recommended that you draft Alec Manoa last year, you know, I, cause you didn't have to, and it would have been frustrating and it would have been an absolute, yeah, an absolute headache for you for the first month of the year. Uh, and we didn't really know what we would get when it would arrive. So I, I want this to work out. And I, it might be so sad for me to watch from afar as he just goes and dominates because I love the guy. But I'm also, you know, trying to plan. I But monitor the news. If there's any, like, true confirmation about him being the sixth starter, 100% jump in on Aaron Ashby. Yeah, that sound you'll hear is his ADP going through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, a lot of good upside guys here, but be careful with, you know, that all these guys are unproven and, and they could be good, could be bad. Uh, but this next tier has some guys that have proved it in the past and and some guys that are still trying to figure it out as we get into tier 12. Carlos Carrasco, Cal Quantrill, Tony Gonsolin, Casey Mize, Zach Plesak, Eric Lauer, and Herman Marquez. We've got some purples and green badges, a lot of <laughs> risers in here. What's the name of this tier? Um, this is identifying wood. I uh, so th- one of my favorite dumbest jokes on the internet is if you if you Google identifying wood, you'll see a meme of this guy holding a block of wood. It's a textbook with glasses on. And he's got this little microscope looking at the wood, and then it has the text. Yep, it's wood. Uh, and it's the funniest thing to me. And it's just like, yep, these guys are who they are. It's the Toby tier, essentially. <laughs> um, but I uh, do yourself a favor and look at that up. It's the dumbest. Like, obviously, Nick loves this uh, image. But yeah, I mean, all of these are like <sighs> fine. I don't expect any of them to be so bad this year. Um, there are some exciting things like maybe Carrasco gets his change up in slider back. Maybe Tony Gonsolin finds a slider for strikes again because that was like a 50% strike pitch instead of a 70% one in 2020. Maybe Zach Plesak gets his changeup and slider returning. But overall, I'm not in love with this tier. Is Tony Gonsolin called nicknamed the cat? I was trying to remember that. The oh, other. is that right? I, I call him Zappa because he used Zappa? to have the Zappa 
I look going for him. That's right. Yeah. That's a good nickname for him. Um, but I mean, yeah, this tier is kind of interesting. What are your thoughts on Casey Mize? Cause I feel like the Tigers young pitchers in general haven't progressed to the way we hoped they would. Mm. And he was arguably one of the biggest hype trains, especially when he was in double a just after his no hitter and, and how he looked and he just hasn't been able to figure out in the majors. Do you think he potentially could, I know he's right now, you know, not too high on your list. He's number 84, but do you think he could potentially make some changes this year and figure something out? You know, when I, when the three of them, the three amigos, right. Matt Manning, um, Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal came up in 2020. I think actually maybe Matt Manning was 2021. I, but regardless, those three finally showed up. Um, I remember, I think it was Shelly and Trevor Huth, Shelly Verstrain, Trevor Huth. And I remember saying like, I'm not that in a Casey Mize guys. And they were like, yeah, we, we like Tarek Skubal more. It's like, yes, good. Uh, because Mize doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, my gift breakdown of him initially wasn't was actually a peak, I think, of what he could be that we never really saw replicated. And that was Casey Mize throwing the slider that looked like a cutter, stealing edges of the zone as like a money strike pitch with the splitters, with splitters getting a decent amount of whiffs and then fastballs being good enough inside the zone. And what we've seen from Mize since is a very inconsistent splitter, a very inconsistent curveball, a decent enough fastball. Uh, a, a split of them, uh, four seamers and sinkers. Um, and I wrote about him too in that, uh, in those nine uh, articles. And the main problem with my, I mean, I suggested like, hey, like, okay, cool. Let's cut the sinker, which apparently he's doing. And that's good because that's not a good offering. But there's just, there's just not much else he can do to fix. He changed the slider last year to be a different one. And it's fine. And he became really like this fastball slider guy, which was fine. But there's no extra step left for Casey Mize to truly ascend while Tarek Skubal well he's developing this slider and change up it's getting better and the four seamer is looking like it's proper strike pitch and he's elevating with intent and all this stuff there's a and curveballs for strike big curveball lots of different areas for Skubal to to improve Mize not so much so I don't really expect a whole lot from him this year I can see him though going like six innings and contending for a win constantly and being a Toby like especially in a quality quality start league, I can see myself getting him at the very end of my draft if I needed it. But yeah, I don't think it's worthy of your twelve team or pick most of the time. Like might as well just take chase something more interesting or even like plan for your first week with some of the tier thirteen guys if you need to. Yeah, I I agree with you. I haven't drafted him anywhere, and I don't plan to. I if I see something, maybe I'll I'll look into it. But there's a lot of other guys I think you could take the gamble on here including some in the last tier, tier 13, which is Zach Greinke, Kyle Gibson, Austin Gomber, Marco Gonzalez, Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, Adrian Hauser, Corey Kluber, Ryan Yarborough, Chris Bubik, Tyler Hearn, Carlos Hernandez, and Jose Suarez as your Mr. Irrelevant at pick 100. Now, the question is here. I know you make your a hundred guy interesting. I don't know if he fits the bill for me. I don't. So okay, you got to understand. Um, first of all, by the way, uh, tier thirteen is uh, it's called. Oh, I had something for this. It is the uh, the paragraph long essay, and what I mean by that is it's like you arrive in class and you realize you didn't have an essay written, um, and you write it down while everyone else is going um, to give your presentation. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, because, oh no, you need something the first week. These are the ones that you say, okay, fine, I've got you covered. Kyle Gibson gets Oakland and the Marlins and Austin Gomber is going to get the Rangers in Texas. Uh, that might work out pretty well. Or Miles Michaelis and Dakota Hudson have this really nice favorable schedule against the Pirates and Adrian Hauser has a nice early start and so on and so forth. Um, Jose Suarez being the last one. Well, it was originally Carlos Hernandez was interesting, but then Lance Lynn had to go and get himself hurt. And so Jose Suarez now is at 100 because I needed someone really quickly. And they go, oh yeah, Jose Suarez, the Angels have a good open start, first start. And I kind of wanted to do it before because Suarez has a decent repertoire. And that could work out pretty well. So uh, I think he's more interesting than we're giving him credit. And I didn't want to like add someone new that leapfrogged the 100 of Carlos Hernandez. I didn't think that would be fair. So that's Suarez. There's a name, so his name's uh, Johan Duran, and he's he actually just made the team for the Twins. He's one of their top pitching prospects, and he has a fastball that can touch over 100 miles an hour, mm. and he's got like this stinker-splitter combo that led him to get an over 60% ground ball percentage each of his last two seasons. He's a really good ground ball pitcher, and he can limit hard contact, and the Twins need pitching so bad. Yeah. I don't know if he'll start out the year in the rotation. But I think very quickly, I mean, when you have like Chris Archer as one of your starters at this <laughs> point, like it, the, I could see him if he, you know, he, he goes a couple, two or three inning outings and impresses that he could eventually get a job in the rotation. He's somebody I've, I've kind of been keeping my eye on. Like if he goes a few innings in the beginning of the year and looks okay, I might try to get some fab on him before the big runs start coming. If he gets a rotation spot. Uh, but he's somebody that's that's has pretty good prospect pedigree for the Twins, and uh, somebody I've, I've actually been keeping my eye on. So he's he's somebody that I have been cautiously watching a little bit. Interesting. Um, my assumption is he's just going to be uh, a stud reliever for them, with Josh Winder being the next number five um, for the Twins. But I could be very wrong about that. I mean, Durana, from what I've seen, is electric to say the least. Uh, yeah. But he hasn't really contended for a starting rotation spot yet. So he's not on the list yet. That's fair. No, he's he definitely, maybe if he gets a, if he wins that job at any point. We oh can, uh... man, watch out. <laughs> Absolutely. That's always the fun stuff. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's why we do this. This is, it's by far my favorite part of the job. You know, if you want to, I don't even, I hate even saying the job. <laughs> But, you know, what we do is like guys that we don't expect early on to do great things, doing great things and, you know, seeing them excel and be their best selves. That's so exciting. Uh, and I really hope we get that opportunity with many of these guys we talked about today, of course, including Duran. Yeah, it's, it's a great list. The final top 100 list. Yeah. The list of the offseason is now I can't over. wait to be so wrong and judged by it forever. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, it's just great that we can actually finally see what happens of our rankings and our lists and everything. We've been oh waiting God, for this right? day for months. Yeah. And I didn't even know here. it would come. I didn't even know it would get here. Thursday's going to be Christmas morning. Everybody's going to be putting up videos, gifts, everything of, of what they're doing that day. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. But on that note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 318 of On the Corner. I'm David Mendelson. Oh, and I'm Nick Pollock. And I'll talk to you guys next week.